two-headed game master. I'm Cosmo, the first head. And I'm Dane, the adjunct. Adjunct head. That was a little more of a mouthful than I was hoping it would be. But there it is. Mm -hmm. Two-headed game master is a podcast about writing, designing, running, and playing role-playing games, where we discuss our favorite hobby, share our thoughts with you, and play some games sometimes. Dane, well, it's been a while. It has, um, but I think so. Today, we're gonna be challenging assumptions. Um, one in particular, but we'll get to that in a second. Um, so, as a communication major or adjunct professor, <laughs> to talk your ear off about uh, you know making assumptions for your intended audience, you know during communications, you know whether it be emails or essays or seminars or whatever right always think about your audience and you know who they are and how to uh shape whatever it is you're trying to communicate for your audience but uh as you mentioned yes it's been 40 days and 40 nights or longer however that you know bible thing goes is that right it's been a long time yeah but did you count no. Okay, I didn't I know I either. was I was in Australia and New Zealand for 39 days and you know, I've been back for 3 weeks now, so it's definitely longer than 40 days and 40 nights. Yeah. Basically all summer. We you guys can't tell cuz this episode is going to come out normal and on time, but um we haven't been doing any recording for a while. We haven't been out of the studio. We've been out of the studio since friggin' June. June. Yeah, it's been a been a good long time. Cause we had stuff going on this summer, and we're responsible with our scheduling, and we recorded a bunch of stuff, and got ahead. Uh, but now it's time to get back to it. But well, I don't know. At least it's not fucking hot. In yeah, here. it's right. it's nice to actually sit in here again. It's comfy. It's a tad warm, but like it's not like sweat. it's not like it I haven't was started in June. sweating yet. Yeah, <laughs> and maybe, maybe this should be like our, uh, you know, perennial recording schedule. We know the worst time of the year for for the heat, and we know we can't like run the air conditioner really high. Because it'll wash out the audio, so maybe we should always. Yes, I definitely try it, like... have an air conditioner, folks. Well, the, and it's too high. The the one that wheels loud. around. Oh, well, that one doesn't really count. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. Maybe maybe we always try and do that. Like yeah, get a, get a little will, two months ahead. How could we like come out with a hot response for our fans about some you know new event that happened or? You know, stay up on the current events, you know, like mm. like South Park. <laughs> That's true. How are we going to have a, you know, seven day episode turnaround where we fucking where we come in hot with a hot, hot take on something that some current events? Just broke. Yeah, something that literally broke last week and then they started writing an episode about it that day. Hard to do that when you record three months in advance. It is hard to do that. But you know what? I bet. On account of how much money they've made 
and how much money they've made Comedy Central, I bet they get air conditioning in their office. I bet I bet they do. I bet they have air conditioning. So, yeah, that might be... <laughs> that might change the equation It won't change for anything for bit. you, listeners. Yeah. Not really. Um, because... We're still trying to make the, the every two weeks new episode. Uh, we got to start running more events, though. Yeah, it would be nice to get some more engagement, some more events. So, your homework this week, listeners, is to go to our Discord. And we're doing it a little early in this episode, I guess. But we have a Discord. If you're a patron, you get it for free. You can find us on Patreon. So, if you want to be part of the 2HGM Discord... Go join up, be a patron today. Go check that out. And then you can tell us what you want to yes. hear and what so, you want us to do. Your homework is to give us a shout out on the Discord about what are some dope events that we could do with you guys. Uh, we do have an idea, uh, but details to be announced later. Yeah. All right. All right, back to today. Let's figure out, let's talk about this. You said a thing about communication. Yes, and assumptions about your intended audience. Yeah. All right, so let's break this episode down, right? Uh, we're going to spend a little time talking about how assumptions, how Game Master assumptions shape the gameplay of the TTT or TTRPG space. Mm-hmm. Right, then we're going to talk about one specific assumption that I had, yeah. have, uh, the party wants to stick together. Right. Like the players. The player characters, characters want to yeah. be in a party together. They want to be on this adventure. And they want to stay on in a team. Um, so we're going to talk a little bit about where I think that assumption came from for me. Um, and then we'll just spend a little time being, you know, reviewing the, the evidence and the data's about uh, my experience, our experience, role-playing, and, like, is that a good assumption? Like, is that generally true or what? Um, and then, of course, because if you didn't learn anything, what was the point? We're going to spend a little time talking about what this exercise has taught us and what it can teach you. Yeah. So let's let's talk about the ideas. What, so assumptions, right? How do mm-hmm. assumptions shape gameplay? How do they shape your uh, your pen and paper role playing experience? Well, hopefully they shape it like an ass yes. because that's the joke of assumptions. A nice round, juicy ass. Because <laughs> uh, it makes asses out of everybody when you assume. But uh, we all assume anyway yeah. some stuff when it comes to pen and paper gaming. And that was a bad joke. If your answer was, oh, I don't think it shapes gameplay at all, well, you're wrong. Yeah. Because even if you don't realize it, you are constantly making assumptions about your players, um, and that's going to affect a lot of things, right? So yeah. on the grand scale, you know, you assume that, like, oh, my players think that fighting monsters is exciting. So you're probably going to give them more monsters to fight. Right. There's... Um... We, we talk about some other people sometimes on this show. Dale Kingsmill's YouTube channel. She has a few videos where she talks about the idea of genre language. 
there are some just like big assumptions baked into what kind of game you're playing. Like if you're doing a fantasy RPG, if you're doing D&D, there's a lot of just like assumptions that come with that people know about sort of Eurocentric fantasy mm-hmm. that, you know, they'll assume certain things about like the way dwarves and elves are the way they behave. They assume that like even that it like it gets colder when you go further north. Mm-hmm. That's a an assumption about the world. These are like the big macro ones. People will just assume these things as a given because it comes with the territory kind of, of like whatever yeah. whatever right. game and you're playing, whatever system you're running, whatever there there are assumptions that come with everything. And we've we've talked we've had a couple episodes where we talk about leaning in to those um mm-hmm. like, you know, the the generalizations of like storytelling or fantasy, like, you know, elves and dwarves, they kinda have a beef. Mm-hmm. You can play that up and your players are probably gonna get it um if they've consumed any like fantasy media ever right right that's very prevalent and then the whole you know you can let those assumptions do some of the legwork for you as a game master you'd be like i don't need to explain every little Mm -hmm. thing about the way this world works because some of the big stuff is just going to be taken on faith because it's expected for the genre or the setting or whatever Mm mm-hmm and it also comes down to like the real the small assumptions that you're making all the time with like descriptions like you say oh a leafy tree Mm -hmm. you assume your players know what a leafy tree looks like you don't have to go into detail about every single tree and be like well this tree has this color bark and it looks like this right unless you're drawing attention to that specific tree you just say oh yeah there's a tree or a bush Right. And you just assume that's going to get across. Right. Or, you know, sometimes th- this happens a lot. Uh, you know, you'll be in the first session, you'll be setting a scene or like they're camping for the first time on an adventure. Someone's going to ask, like, what time of year is it? Mm-hmm. You'd be like, um, it's early winter. There's a ton of just yeah. little things that now you don't have to say anymore. People will fill that in with the correct assumptions about like what weather is like and how the sun goes down a little earlier and stuff like that mm-hmm. um and a lot of times players will ask you that stuff because they want to know it so that they can so that they can paint the picture in their own heads and then you say a little thing like that like what season it is and a lot of that micro description stuff becomes assumed mm-hmm. so you're they're all over the place in the in the tabletop role-playing games, right? These assumptions that we make, right? So, like, a common assumption is, like, danger is exciting and that what's ma- that is interesting. Mm-hmm. Right? So, there's got to be some combat. Every, well, I guess not every single role-playing game, because I can think of one example. I don't know it very well, but uh, the Solar Punk Futures, that didn't seem to have a lot of combat in it. No, that seems more about... Uh like building and cooperation which is why that's interesting because that goes against you know the common assumption that you need to have yeah that you need to have a sword fight or a monster for the uh for the role-playing experience to be interesting right so you know an assumption 
can get you into trouble because you assume your players want, you know, combat and danger, and that's going to be exciting for them. And then maybe they don't. So you roll out this story with a bunch of fights and this like epic war, and they're just like kind of like, ah, this is mid. Yeah. You know, what would really be cool is like if we were trying to build our own society rather than, you know, trying to fight to keep the old one alive or something like that. Mm -hmm. So I think you get it. Assumptions are very powerful. Yeah. Right. So let's talk about the one that's brought us here tonight. Brought us here. Right. My assumption that the party will want to stick together. Mm hmm. Well, that influences a lot for me, right? Like, that's how I write stories is, and, like, how I present problems. Like, if I assume that the player characters want to be a team, right, I throw some, some conflicts in there. Maybe, you know, some conflicting interests. Like, you know, player A once uh, is favorable against this faction and player B is favorable for another faction. Maybe there's a conflict between those two factions, and now player A and B have to talk about it and be like, okay, here's my reasoning for why we should do this, right? That's like what I would be going for. But then kind of it turns out that like then they just kind of stand off and be like, well, I guess we're enemies now. Yeah. So let's, it's, it's a weird thing, but we've seen it happen pretty consistently where like the idea... The idea that there's some sort of mission or some sort of central conflict or whatever um, should be enough for these characters to want to be on a team together and to want to work together, it oftentimes is not enough mm -hmm. in, a, in a weird way where, like, you know, then you're playing and you get this, you get this distinct sense that, like, if they had their druthers, one or more of these characters, like, would be doing something completely else. And the assumption that they want to work together and the kind of greater, more meta assumption that the players want to actually, like, solve the problem, sometimes you run up against that and we found, like, it's not... It's just not true a lot of the times. Mm -hmm. Players not wanting to. Players having, being like, my character actually, uh, like, I don't know if my character belongs here yeah, anymore. Like, I think. Not interested in this. Know, my character is going to leave. And then it's like, okay, well, you want to make a new character, please? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but anyway, so this assumption, the party wants to stick together. It influenced, it influenced a lot of the material that I created for, um, the sessions hour game mastering, right? Um, but let's pull back a little bit and talk about like where where I got this assumption, right? Because I thought this was just a very interesting exercise. It came up a couple episodes ago about like maybe maybe that's why like this stuff keeps happening where player characters are like, mm, I don't think I want to be here anymore. Um, so I had to think about it, and it's like, well. Why does this keep happening? Well, it's because of this assumption. So where did this assumption come from? Mm -hmm. Well, thought about it a little bit, introspected, 
uh, I think it just came from general fiction and, you know, the stuff that I liked. So, big one, Lord of the Rings, mm -hmm. right? The Fellowship of the Ring, it brings together this party. You know, they have the big powwow in, in Rivendell, the Council of Elrond, and you got... Like it starts with a with a kind of a fight in there. Like you know, everybody's kind of mad at each other. They're all yelling, and then like, oh, who's gonna take the ring? Should we destroy it? Should we use it? Blah 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 blah. You cannot wield it. And None of us can. Then they're like, okay, we kind of have a compromise. We're destroy it. Who's gonna take it? Oh, everybody's like, yeah, blah, 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 blah. and then you know it gets decided. There be right. There be the fellowship, right? And then, like, you know, Boromir's kind of like, well, we should just, you know, take it to my house. Um, and, like, I don't really like you, Aragorn. You're yeah, kind of like, trust you. who's what, this man? ranger from the north thinks he's king. king, you know? Or, and then at the end, well, end of Boromir's life, he's like, you know, you're my king, man. Yeah. I'll follow you. And... So that like instilled the like you know with a with a powerful enough um you know reason to start the quest in the first place like this is the fate of the world the ring must be destroyed and what's that going to involve is a long journey through danger so we need a group of people who are going to commit to that and then they do at the beginning of the journey and then stuff goes wrong down the way as you know as would in any good adventure stuff mm -hmm. would go wrong but and that brings them closer together and the even though the fellowship splits and you know people kind of split up and start working on different things everyone's still working on the main quest and for you know for the entirety of the fellowship everyone is working together except for when there is the tension between Boromir and everyone else. Which is, you know, just good drama. A little bit of tension. But that's, yeah. a An example from fiction where, like, the quest is... Everyone agrees that the quest is important, so regardless of, like, who they are, where they came from, or differences they have with each other, they're committed to the quest. And we kind of expect that out of our RPG parties... Maybe not just from that, though. We've got some other examples. Right. Um, Avatar The Last Airbender. And yeah, I'm going to put those two in the same space of great. Mm -hmm. Right. So Avatar, right? You got you got Team Avatar at the core. And, you know, they started rough, you know, on a rocky terms, right? You know, mm -hmm. Aang shows up out of the iceberg and, like, Sokka doesn't trust him. And then, like, you know, it brings the Fire Nation to their village, and there's that whole thing. And then they, like, kick Aang out. And then, like, Katara's like, well, I'm going to go after him. I don't care what you think, Sokka. Aang's, you know, Aang's going to save the world. And Sokka's like, are you going to shut up and help me? Yeah. Or what? Right? Like, like, obviously, yeah, all right, obviously I'm coming. It's important. And then after that episode, you know, they argue sometimes, and they gain new party members, mm -hmm. uh, and they are... Not always in dis they're not always in agreement about what is the correct next move, mm -hmm. but everyone knows what needs to happen is Aang needs to master the elements and confront the Fire Lord to put an end to this 
badness. And it's, it's tested again and again, right? You know, very quickly uh, in the in the book one, like uh, you know, they find um, fuck, what's his name? Whatever they they find uh, that old waterbender from you know their tribe and get a line on where Sokka and Katara's mm. dad is. Some friction Kikoa. within the party. Maybe. Yeah. Whatever. Anyways, um, right? And then, like, you know, Aang hides the map, and it's like a, you know, a, a fracture, you know, the fracture of the fellowship moment um, where they go their separate ways, and then, you know, Zuko attacks and brings them back together, and then they're like, yeah, we we can't go see our dad just yet. Yeah. We, we, gotta we got a thing to do. We, we stick, stick with, with it. And aside from some... Aside from, like, some disagreements between the characters about, you know, what is going to happen next or what the best way to proceed is, most of the tests and threats are from outside. The party is, for almost the entirety of the show, united in their purpose. And again, not a thing we see consistently with role-playing groups. Right, because... So, like, these examples, and, like, we can also talk about The Expanse um, if we need some more. Uh, <laughs> I think but, it's good. I mean, we should just say it like this. Because another thing that The Expanse says a little bit more explicitly, especially in the later books, um, when they split up and start coming back together, uh, they talk explicitly about, like, how family the crew is and the idea of, you know, the the core cast of characters or the party or whatever being a found family that's pretty prevalent in great adventure fiction mm-hmm. and it's kind of what you want from your adventuring party right is this like group of weirdos become a found family right and like that's in the know, pursuit of this adventure that's why i developed this uh, you know assumption that the party sticks together because like me for me like those are really powerful moments i love that idea i like fucking love it i think it is the best and like or chosen family maybe chosen that's, family yeah. and i think i think that's just like the best if you can get you know that in your story it's a good story so, like, creating situations where, as, you know, in the in the role-playing context, right, you present your players with these situations where they have to find the reason to stick together. And, like, that's what I want is, like, I want to present this problem that gets kind of everybody, like, kind of in a disagreement. But then, like, to have them work through that as their characters and be like... Well, our stick by you no matter what. Like, man, that would feel good. Right. I think it would for everybody. Yeah. Um, right? So, like, and that's kind of, like, where my first, well, that was, like, my first instinct when I, like, started making characters for the first time. I was, like, I always had a character that wanted, you know, kind of, you know, an outsider. The classic, you know, you make, you know, somebody with a troubled past Looking for a family, you know. I don't have friends. I got family. The family. We didn't. That one. Didn't we didn't talk about the but furious. Well, it's hard to movies. Hard to talk about Fast and Furious on the same level as Lord of the Rings and Avatar and The Expanse. Yeah, I think. I Maybe would, prove me wrong, but no, I, I would say challenge. so. But uh, I don't uh, like. I haven't even seen them all. So, can I really speak <laughs> to their quality? Not really. I think. But I've seen a couple, and they're pretty silly. 
But yeah, so like you remember like our first Torg characters, mm-hmm. we we created characters that were very much um linked by their backstory. Like it was in their backstory that they had met and yeah. been traveling together for that they a while. were and that they were when we started playing that they were pals. Mm-hmm. Which, so, of course, can't always necessarily be the case. But there's rarely a time where your game master will say, don't talk to your other players when yeah. you make your character. Yeah, I would say, like, rarely does it happen. But we were, like, we were living together and we were preparing to start role-playing at the same time and creating characters for the same campaign. And we're like, well, yeah, it would be cool if they knew each other, if there was a reason for them to be starting this adventure together at the same time. So when we came up with that, we came up with our characters and we came up with reasons why they knew each other and had set off on this adventure. There's absolutely no reason I can think of in this, you know, age of interconnectivity and cell phones. Yeah. That like that your party can't, discuss who they're going to be and be like, who are you going to be? Oh, it'd be cool if this aspect of your character had to do with this aspect of my character and this is why we came to this place at the same time or whatever. Yeah, and I've always found it a real big bummer when, like, you are running a session that, like, I, like, well, I always have to be like, okay, you can, like, reach out to the other players, but, like, don't be annoying about it. Right. Because my, I always want to talk to, like, the other players and figure out what they're going to be and, like, fit my character in with their character. Not necessarily, like, stats-wise, metagaming-wise, but, like, or uh, min-maxing-wise. But mm-hmm. more metagaming where it's, like, I want to have some reasons why... Like, this person is going to be part of my chosen family. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, my character needs to be, you know, open. And, like, maybe they're a little guarded at first, but, like, here's how they can let their guard down. And, you know, thinking about that. But then I, it does not usually get reciprocated, which is always kind of a bummer. Yeah. And I guess, so I say, like, yeah, there's no reason you couldn't just, like, communicate ahead of time and coordinate on who your characters are so that they are inclined to you know the assumption the party wants to stick Mm -hmm. together the party wants to be a party i said there's no reason why you can't communicate uh, you know outside of the first time you sit down to play and kind of sync that stuff up you know but people have lives people are busy people care about the hobby to different degrees Mm -hmm. and people also come to the table for different reasons. Some people right. come because they really like the 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 role playing and the stories and the you know the characters and some people just come cuz it's you know what folks are doing and they, the they like to do the hangout. Some people come for the the crunchy you know nitty gritty mechanics mm-hmm. and they want to you know grind a, a 3 hour monster fight. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think this is a good segue uh is this a correct assumption for me to have? And I think the answer is no, right? And it yeah. starts with, with just player or character creation. So, like, when I game master, I'm game mastering basically the same set of players that Cosmo is. Um, so, when Cosmo's running it and I'm a player, we don't really talk to each other 
and like I try I try without trying to be annoying about it uh, so you know I'd be like hey do you think about your character yet and then the response is no I haven't I was gonna do that day of and it's like oh yeah well, but like but I had an idea and it'd be cool if like you know like how like Sokka and Katara are siblings mm-hmm. right they come from the same place but they're also you know very different you could have that like yeah That'd be the easiest thing in the world to have if just like two players reached out before the thing started and were like, I mean, I never listened to the, or I never watched the Critical Role actual play on YouTube, but I watched the first season of the show. Mm-hmm. There's two siblings There's in siblings there. there. Yeah. And obviously they coordinated that and they're like, this would be cool. Mm-hmm. It is cool. And. You know, stuff like that is a really good reason for uh, for strength in the party, for, you know, for the for the player characters to want to be in a party together. Mm-hmm. But I think you're right. We, it doesn't really happen. We had this as an unchallenged assumption for a long time. And then we were like, you know, why do so many of our characters want to do things in different ways or like you know want to wander off and do something weird and sometimes that's fine you know Mm -hmm. sometimes it's a shopping day it's a town session and it is designed for characters to wander off and do something weird and then come back to the main thing but i don't think we've ever really had uh you know a good found family party Similar to some of these great pieces yeah, we're still of we're still chasing that dragon. Um, maybe it happened, maybe it won't. But and I think it, I don't, I think it's less likely to happen, um, just because I think the assumption is, is not correct for our group of players. I think so. Because um, it really like what like you know put the the splinter in my brain that you know made it itchy, right? You know, as Brian would say, mm-hmm. itchy brain. Um, was when we did Cyborg. Yeah. Um, and, like, we did the mission, we ended it, and then, like, the wrap-up was, like, okay, so, like, you guys are done with this. Mm-hmm. And, like, there was, there's all the potential in the world for us to go back to Cyborg yeah. and play the same characters and maybe even do it on air. But all that potential, and it's like, okay, what do you guys do? And then, like, Enzo's like, well, my character goes off and, you know, leaves... Kai on his own to do his own thing and I'm like wait what he doesn't want to excuse me he doesn't want to hang out we don't go like back to the bar and we're lifetime friends now yeah what hold on and like you know it was it wasn't something that was we spent a lot of time on I didn't like call it you know I didn't bring attention to it while we were recording because like you know it kind of was just like you know one of those things that like you don't really think about until after it's done you know I'm in the shower. I'm just like da 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 da, washing my hair. Yeah, Wait a Hang second. On. Why did he just want to leave? Why? I forgot his character's name. Maine. Maine. Why did Maine? He doesn't want to be friends. Mm. He doesn't want to like find another job to do next. Because like we got to do jobs. That's mm-hmm. the whole conceit of the world of Cyborg. Is that you know it's cyberpunk. You got to get gigs. Right. So what's your next gig? And he's like, eh, I don't care. I'm leaving. Yeah. Which is, you know, fine. It, is, it was a one-shot, yeah, okay. and we yeah. never talked about it as, like, this is the beginning of a campaign. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah. 
Right. So it's it's when not you, really when you yeah. brought it up, I was like, you're right. There is there is an assumption that we'd never put words to really. Mm. And it's not it's not bad that we were operating under uh, a false assumption. Um, and it's not really good if we were operating under the correct assumption. But it did make an interesting uh, thought experiment, you know, a thought um, yeah. uh, problem, challenge, nope, um, exercise, exercise. Yeah. A thought exercise about like, you know, if I'm making that assumption, what other assumptions am I making that shape the way I, you know, game master? Mm-hmm. And... How could I improve my game mastering? Well, I think one of the ways, uh, I guess we've moved on to, what did we learn? Yeah, what did we learn? Right. Um, introspecting. Uh, if you want to be, you know, improve your game mastering, you know, do a little introspection. Be like, what am I assuming that uh, I shouldn't be? Or maybe the assumptions have been working out great for you, but... You know, it's always interesting, subverting expectations, right? So, like, you've been running under this assumption, which kind of created some expectations. Well, how can you subvert something you don't recognize? So, you know, do a little thinking yeah, and be like, oh, I see what's happening here. Here's the expectation. So, here's how I'm going to subvert that next time. And then your players are going to be like, <laughs> mind blown, what the fuck just happened? Yeah, it is, I will say, um, when we, when it did come up in conversation and then, you know, we, we put words to this idea for the first time and you brought it up and then I was like, huh, it's, it's a bummer, I think, kind of, you know, like now that we've thought about it and you can recognize that in in a campaign that you're running and in the party that you're running for, you can be like, okay, I won't force that. And in fact, I can design around it and I can make, you know, maybe if there is this kind of inherent lack of fellowship in your party, maybe instead of fighting a big bad at the end of the session or at the end of the campaign, maybe the, maybe the climax of the campaign is, a schism mm-hmm. between the party and even some PvP or something. Maybe that's what you build to instead. Yeah. And, you know, then it is still just as good of a story and just as good of a role-playing experience, but instead of pushing your players into, you know, yeah. being the fellowship. One tracking them, uh, boxing them in, right. or whatever that's called. Railroad. Railroading. I said track. Mm-hmm. I was close. I was on the right track. <laughs> Maybe you just, you know, you do your game design different. Yeah. Now that you've thought about mm-hmm. that and if you've recognized that in your party. Um, but there is still, for me, a little bit of sadness there. That it doesn't seem like... It doesn't seem like the... You know, the natural impulse for a group of players is to become the Fellowship. Well, at least our group of players. Yeah, at least our group of players. And we've we've had a fairly and large group, group of players if, in and out. If your group but, of players is the opposite, I don't want to hear about it. Yeah. All right. Because I mean, tell us about this, I guess. Because you know, no, again, 
well, I didn't want to hear about it because it would make me jealous. Mm. <laughs> so don't tell tell Cosmo. Don't tell me though, because I'll try to steal your party. <laughs> Mister, steal your party. That's a good. That's a good head for mm-hmm. him to be next time. That is a good head. Although I don't think we'll be talking about the same thing because we. No, we've done a two-parter before. Never mind. We've done a couple two-parters, but I don't think this has a second part. Not unless yeah. a bunch of people come and tell us their stories. Yeah, new stories about it, and we get a bunch of new perspective on this idea. We are very much talking about our perspective, and we've played with a lot of people, but not like a lot. We haven't played with everyone in Denver. We've played, you know, with probably less than 20 people. Yeah, you could probably count them on your digis. Have to use some toes, but maybe a couple toes. And the the core group that we're playing with right now has been pretty consistent with some ins and outs and some people having seasonal work or coming and going. But um, yeah, our, our experience is as limited as our experience is. And maybe this is not a problem that other people experience because maybe people came into the hobby with different assumptions or right. different baggage. But and... I would be curious to see, you know, if you could, as a game master, sit down and, you know, list out some assumptions. I bet you'd be a little surprised when you got down yeah. to it. We were mainly talking about this idea, the the, the assumption that the party to wants to stick together and be a party. But do a little introspection. What are you assuming? What are you just, you know, taking for granted taking as a given or letting the you know genre language of whatever you're doing say for you mm. that might not be accurate yeah. homework homework everybody loves homework for right everyone loves an assignment uh, but anyway yeah. okay so I think that probably about do it for this uh, yeah. lots to think about we don't have any you know good advice but just well, the advice is just the, the advice know, think is about think about it. it. Yeah, we don't have a like. This is how you fix this or mm-hmm. do this for your next session type right. of thing. But uh, hopefully, through this episode, you have been like, yeah, maybe there are some things that I've assumed right that I didn't mm-hmm. realize were shaping how I put together sessions. Yeah, and maybe um, they're not even wrong, but just like mm-hmm. you know, if you challenge the assumption, you yeah. might come up with something else that's just as interesting. So. That'll do it, I think. There it is. For this episode of Two-Headed Game Master. Uh, Let's recap what we talked about. Well, yeah, I mean, we hopefully you understand that assumptions are everywhere and Mm -hmm. they shape a lot of aspects of gameplay, right? There's your big assumptions, like the party wants to stick together, but then there's also the the little assumptions, like... uh, I don't have to go into great detail about what an elf is. Yeah. They're or an that, elf. Like, players know what winter is versus mm-hmm. summer. Yeah. Um, we talked about... Well, where my assumption came from, right? Yeah. It came rooted from fiction, so maybe there's some other fiction that you've read that you're right. pulling from. And there is other great fiction where mm-hmm. not everyone is friends. Yeah. Um, and then we talked about the idea that... This assumption, at least for us, we don't think it's true. We were it was a we bad were assumption. We, we were assumed operating. it for a long time, didn't challenge it, yeah. and yeah, we were operating under a misapprehension, inaccurate information. 
And uh, and then hopefully uh, you learn something. You learn something about think a little about introspection. It. Challenge your assumptions. Think about your sessions and think about like. Just think about it afterwards. Right. Do a little debrief, yeah. like even if, if it's just for yourself in the shower. If you created something as a game master and it didn't quite go as planned, why didn't it? What assumptions were you making that led to a miscommunication? Like your players didn't pick up on the mystery. Because it might whatever. not be your fault. You might not be terrible. Yeah. In fact, you're probably great and your players are stupid. It's probably your fucking players. <laughs> um, yeah. We're going to cut that out, right? Uh-huh. Okay. All right. You like our stuff? Head on over to 2HGM.com. We have a variety of products, including our flagship product, Afterlife. Post-apocalyptic fantasy role-playing available on DriveThruRPG. This is a fully illustrated book. It's the rules of the game system, as well as the world book, and a bunch of mission generation prompt things. It's cool. Uh, We also have links to our Twitter, where we are somewhat less than active. Uh, but we also have links to our Patreon, where we love to interact with. <laughs> yep. And join us uh, on Patreon, and you can become part of the Discord. Mm-hmm. We do Discord stuff. Uh, one fun thing about the Discord is we like to do a Halloween episode. Yes. We're a young podcast. This will only be the third one. But when we do it, it's going to be live, and you'll get to check it out, you know, a little earlier. And even, if you want, in chat, be a little obnoxious and maybe even influence what happens a little bit. <laughs> it's happened before. Uh, before it actually goes live on Halloween night. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah. think uh, that about does it. Thank you, the Burning Saviors, for the use of the song Pond Hill's Finest as the intro and outro to our show. And we'll see y'all next time on Two-Headed Game Master. See you next time!